It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, we're breaking down all the excitement around the NBA playoffs. The Jazz Nuggets Game 7, previewing the Rockets Thunder Game 7 on Wednesday, and also discussing what we've seen as the Celtics take the 2-0 lead over the Raptors, and much, much more, all here on Locked on Wizards. Hi everyone, Renee Washington here, and you are listening to another edition of Locked on Wizards. Well, look, guys, as the NBA playoffs got started, we knew we were in for a treat. Unfortunately for the Wizards, not a part of the playoffs, but look, we are watching the excitement now with the anticipation of knowing that next year, hopefully, hopefully, (laughs) the Wizards will be in the NBA playoffs and we'll be watching them as part of these exciting best of seven series that we've been seeing so far. So the action got started Tuesday with the Raptors Celtics, the defending champs now down 2-0. And if they don't win game three, this could be a sweep from winning the championship to getting knocked down and swept in the second round of the playoffs. Whew, big turnaround. But we saw that the Raptors struggled offensively in game one. Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet combined to shoot just three of 16 from three in the first game. In game two, they were three of 19. Pascal Siakam, another one that struggled a little bit offensively. We're seeing the Raptors get a little exposed here against Celtics. And the Celtics are a team that, in my opinion, have the capabilities to win the Eastern Conference without a doubt with their depth, with their versatility, with the players that they have, the talent that they have, and with having one of the best coaches in the league right now in Brad Stevens. And so I think the Raptors are right now getting a little shell-shocked in a sense. You know, there are three biggest stars, Siakam, Van Vliet, and Lowry are definitely struggling offensively. And if they're not able to knock down shots, they're not able to get to the basket, which has been the biggest strength of the Raptors leading up to this point. Ooh, then what? So right now, I mean, the Celtics on both ends of the floor really just exposing them and really just showing that uh, they may be taking the, the new crown out of the East and contending for that NBA championship series that we have coming up in a few weeks. So, I mean, overall, the the biggest thing is the Raptors have to figure it out and they have to figure it out fast. Game one, you might be able to chalk, chalk it up to just having come off of a series that you, you know, you sweep Brooklyn, you come into this series a little bit flat because of it. Well, you got to wake up now. You're down to zero. If you don't wake up now, you'll be headed back to Toronto on the first flight out very soon. So I think that the, the Celtics specifically looking at Jason Tatum, goodness, you know, I, I have always thought that Jason Tatum has all the makings of a very good player. And even as a rookie, you could see glimpses, moments of greatness. Players have said it in, in training with him and playing against him. And he is right now, to me, the, the biggest uh, reasoning behind the Celtics success. 34 points in the game. Jason Tatum is playing with that confidence. He's playing with the, you know, just the mindset that and mantra that he's going to lead the Celtics team. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, 
I mean, you look at the players across the Celtics roster that had the ability to step up. Who would have thought that Marcus Smart would knock down five threes in the fourth quarter? Coming out early in the fourth, he knocks down five threes, and just like that, the Celtics are up by three. I mean, you, it is so hard to beat a team that has the ability to score in so many different ways. Get to the basket, knocking down shots, but then more importantly, so many different players that are able to do it. And for the Celtics, I think that's their biggest strength. They are a team that is going to be very hard to beat, and right now we're seeing that. I mean, looking at the way they are really just taking it to the Raptors. Game two, much closer, but you know, I, I don't know if it ever really felt like the Raptors could win that game. They were close, don't get me wrong. They were in it, but it just always felt like the Celtics, for every time the Raptors seemed like they would get going, the Celtics always had an answer. The Celtics always were like one step ahead in that sense. And so we saw, as mentioned, Jason Tatum led the Celtics with 34. But you look across the team, Jalen Brown finished with 16, Marcus Smart with 19, Kemba Walker 17. You know, they have so many pieces that this is a dangerous team right here. This is a team to watch out for. And the Raptors, like I said, have got to figure it out sooner than later or else they will be heading home on the next flight back to Toronto, unfortunately. But I will give it to them because they have been showing that, you know, even without Kawhi Leonard, they are a top team. They are a team that you cannot sleep on. Do not count them out. But right now, I think the, you know, they're kind of getting exposed in a sense. But the biggest thing is they have another chance and we'll see if they're able to close this gap and make this series at least a five or six game series. If they're able to make this a 2-1 series Thursday night when they take on the Celtics in game three. The other series that we have to get into as we discuss more around what's going on in the NBA, whew, the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. My goodness, at the end of that game seven, I was literally sitting with my hands on my head as I'm like re- reenacting right now as if you guys can see me. Hands on my head like, are you kidding me? That final 16 seconds, anybody could have won. You saw Donovan Mitchell with a drive to the basket. Ball gets knocked out, turnover. The Nuggets are coming the other way. A chance to take a four-point lead. Missed the layup. The Jazz, Rudy Gobert gets the rebound, kicks it out to Mike Conley, who runs the floor with a really good look, but misses the the opportunity for the game-winning shot. Donovan Mitchell on the other side, his hands up high. In that moment, you can see him go from thinking they had a chance. In fact, once he lost the ball, you saw him feel like, that's it. There was about nine seconds left. The ball got tipped out. The Nuggets were going the other way. He kind of started to give up. Got a second chance of hope as they were coming back down the floor. But Conley unable to knock down the shot. I don't think there definitely was not enough time for him to swing the ball to Mitchell, who was standing on the other side calling for it. But you just see that in that moment as Donovan Mitchell collapses to the floor, just how much emotion and how much was put into this game for all the players. And we saw Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have a great embrace after the game. But this series was my favorite of all the first rounds series. Absolutely the best matchup. Without a doubt, the most, it was an emotional roller coaster, the most intensity, the most excitement to see Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell going head to head every game, knocking down every shot they put up. It just seemed like they could not miss 50 point performance, 57 point performance. It was just historic to watch and incredible to see the next generation really show out. And that is the most exciting part of this entire series. These are young guys putting their name on the map, making historic. Um, in terms of their play, making historic performances that put them in categories with Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, 
some of the best players to ever not only play their position, but to play the game. It was everything we could have ever asked for. And I'm so happy you went seven games, but I'm so disappointed that someone had to lose because watching how these two teams battled throughout, it just, it was the playoffs. It was everything. It, again, it was everything we could have ever asked for and some more. And so hats off to the Denver Nuggets as they're moving on to face the Clippers in the next round. And hats off to the Utah Jazz for just having an incredible run in the playoffs that I hated to see them go home, but someone's got to go home. So coming up, we've got to get into more that's going on around the NBA playoffs. It has not disappointed, but there's also been a lot of changes going on throughout the playoffs that are going on in the front office. So we'll get into some of those discussions and more right here on Locked On Wizards. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So the best part of the Game 7 action we saw Tuesday is we get another Game 7 on Wednesday. So the first game of the night, we've got the Heat taking on the Bucks. Now, let me tell you, before we even get into game seven of the Rockets Thunder, Heat versus Bucks. I do think that the Bucks, of course, have the best record coming in. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Defensive Player of the Year. You know, they are a team that everyone is expecting to come right in and, and win the East. I actually do not think that out of the four teams in the Eastern Conference right now, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I think they're number four. I actually think that the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Heat are all playing better than the Bucs. The Bucs are very predictable. I feel like the Bucs are very beatable because of that. And aside from Giannis Antetokounmpo, if Chris Middleton's not having a good game, who else is there to step up? And so when they were playing in their first series versus the Magic, I was actually thinking that, you know, aside from the fact that the Magic did win a game, but no, just looking at how they actually matched up, I was actually thinking that this is a team that's very, very beatable. And that's, that's scary. If you have a team like the Heat and then whoever they would face in the next round, if they do manage to get past the Heat in the Celtics or the Raptors, I think they're outmatched. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, seeing that his costly turnovers, missed shots, especially the turnover at the end of the game, as we saw the Bucks have a chance to, you know, potentially try to close the gap. I mean, they were looking to, to crawl back into it. The Heat just had an answer for everything. You saw them, you know, aside from Jimmy Butler's 40-point game, you saw Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, who only actually had four points in this game, but he's been killing it in the playoffs. And he even had a slow game, and they still, they still were able to knock off the Bucks. 
I mean, Tyler Hero even only had 11 games in game one. But you look at the way that the Heat matched up with the Bucks For this game specifically, you didn't even, they don't even need everybody to be on their game. Jimmy Butler led with 40. You have Bam Adebayo, who's always doing all the little things. He's scoring. He's getting rebounds. He's, you know, setting screens. He's active on offense. He's active on the boards, especially on defense. Duncan Robinson, Dragic, Hero, who can knock down shots. Andre Godala, who's a lockdown defender and a veteran that's bringing that veteran leadership to the floor. Even Kendrick Nunn. I mean, Jay Crowder, another one I didn't even mention, who only finished with nine points in game one. But they have these pieces that, again, it doesn't have to always be everybody on. Maybe someone like Jay Crowder is doing the other things. He's getting rebounds. He's, he's helping to be a presence in the paint and a rim protector. You know, they have the ability to really run so many different options on use in their half-court offense, in their transition. I don't think the Bucks are coming out of this series. I really do not. I just think that right now, looking at the way they're playing, I mean, Brooke Lopez had an incredible game finishing with 20 points in game one, but he's not, it's not always him. We don't always know who's going to step up. We, we see that teams have the ability to build a wall and, and just put two and three guys on Giannis Antetokounmpo and slow him down. And they don't even have to be tall. It just has to be physical players, match up with him. Chris Middleton, you know what you're going to expect from him, but we have no idea which players on the Bucks: George Hill, Brooke Lopez, Kyle Korver, um, Wesley Matthews. I mean, who's, who's next? Who's next? <laughs> um, I, just, I just do not know who is, who's the player that can really step up and, and – you know, be number th- that number three spot. Now I'm thinking of the song. Who's next? Go, go, go. Okay. Side note, whatever. Anyways, um, we, we really have no idea, all jokes aside, who the number three is. And right now, at this stage in the playoffs, everybody in the East that is competing and, and, and strong to, in my opinion, be a true contender to come out of these, they have three, four, five, six players that you can count on to step up and make big plays. So I think right now, and I, I'm, I've been saying this, I think that Giannis is an incredible player. I think the Bucs are a great team. The Bucs need to figure something out. This season is not their season. They're still not coming out of the East, in my opinion. And they need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what it's going to take to be a team that can come out of the East. Because as we look forward to next year, there will be a lot of changes across the league. Brooklyn bringing back KD and Kyrie. You know, the Sixers are making coaching change, have made a coaching change. The Wizards, we will be in contention, bringing back Bradley Beal and John Wheel. John Wheel. Bradley Beal and John Wall, excuse me. The East is going to be different. The Pacers are definitely coming back, of, of course, after firing Nate McMillan but also, and bringing in a new coach, but also bringing in the experience that, and the confidence boost that we're going to see, having had an incredible run with TJ Warren's breakout performance in the bubble, a healthy Victor Oladipo, the East is going to be so different. The Bucks need to figure it out. But another team that needs to figure it out, the Rockets. The Rockets are taking on the Thunder Wednesday night in game seven, and another team looking very be- beatable. As I was talking on Locked on NBA, apparently I can't speak right now. As I was talking on Locked on NBA with Jake Madison around the Rockets-Thunder matchup, the biggest thing to me is that the Rockets are very consistent in that every part of every year at this part of the year, once it gets to playoff times, you can always count on them to drop the ball, literally and figuratively. You can always count on them to have all the potential in the world coming into the bubble, you know, talking about bully ball and talking around the fact that this is very – of an environment that's going to be very beneficial for them for the way they play. 
They have Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Russell Westbrook, of course, then gets hurt. He's able to get back. It's just a lot of things that always seem to go wrong in clutch moments. And we saw it happen with Russell Westbrook's turnover as he was trying to pass to Robert Covington late in the game against the Thunder in game six. It's always something. A turnover, a bad decision, a bad poor shot selection, you know, whatever it may be, it always happens. And I do feel as though the Rockets are just too emotional right now. P.J. Tucker right now, I am frustrated watching him plays all over the floor. Yes, he plays physical. He takes charges. He's a presence in the paint. And he's there five a lot of the times. But, you know, I think that him, much like many of the Rockets players, we just don't know who's the leader. You know, Chris Paul is clearly leading this team for the Thunder. We see him in the huddles. We see him getting them organized, saying stuff to players, saying stuff to Dennis Schroeder, who's playing out of his mind with the post-baby glow. You know, we see him leading this team. We don't know who is the voice that's stepping up for the Rockets. It was Russell Westbrook when he was not hurt, not playing and was hurt and was on the sideline. But now that he's on the floor, we don't see him doing that as much because I just feel like with him coming back from injury, he's just focusing on getting back and getting in a groove on the floor. Whereas when you're not playing, it's a little easier to be a coach in that sense. So they're going to need someone that's going to have to step up and to get them on the same page, especially if this is a close game down the stretch and the Rockets are struggling to knock down shots on the perimeter. They're going to need someone to help them make an adjustment. Mike D'Antoni's career depends on it because if the Rockets do not make it past this series, there will be some major changes in Houston, without a doubt. And there's going to need to be some changes. So we'll see what happens as the Rockets take on the Thunder in Game 7. We've got the Bucks Heat in Game 2 for their series. Many, many more things to get into around the NBA playoffs as we continue to watch all the excitement unfold. So coming up, we get into what's going on in the front offices across the NBA, acknowledging some coaching changes and some changes across the league, right here on Locked on Wizards. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all of the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted Caramel, yes, caramel, not caramel, and peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com and try the best-tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you, from me to you, you will not regret it. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, 
Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. listening to another edition of Locked on Wizards. We are talking through the NBA playoffs leading up to the games Wednesday and recapping what happened on Tuesday. Well, I was having a conversation around all the coaching changes that are going on in the NBA, and it really got me thinking just about which of these coaching changes make sense and which of them, in my opinion, do not. And I'm curious to know what you guys think as well. So I want your takes on this. So feel free to drop me a comment on Twitter at Locked on Wizards or my personal page at Renee P. Wash. And let's take a deeper look into these coaching changes that we've been seeing. So the first one is the fact that these Philadelphia 76ers and Brett Brown have finally parted ways after seven years. To me, ding, 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 this makes sense. I think that Brett Brown's time, he has run his course, his time is out, and he has had plenty of opportunity to really try to get this team to be what they should be on paper, which is an Eastern Conference finalist at the least if not coming out of the conference and they have underperformed and it was definitely time for some changes because the way that these two all-stars and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have not been able to get on the same page and still haven't figured it out how they can play together and work off each other. To me, that's a problem that starts at the top in terms of the leadership, the voice, and that needs to be a, a different leadership and a different type of type of leader, I should say in this team. So the accountability in my opinion needs to be better The responsibility needs to be better. Yes, it might be funny that the rookies have to get everybody Chick-fil-A. And I know these are grown men, so they might be able to eat Chick-fil-A. But should they be eating Chick-fil-A before every game? Should we be laughing at the fact Joel Bleed's pregame meal is atrocious? No. There needs to be, in my opinion, more accountability, more responsibility to get these players. It starts with the off-court, you know, antics and behavior that they're going to be healthy, ready to play in shape and doing all they can on the floor to play together. You should not have all these pieces in Shake Mill and Josh Richardson, Simmons, Embiid, Horford, um, having had Jimmy Butler in the past and not be able to figure it out. So yes, this coaching change does make sense to me. Another coaching change we saw after a attempt, an attempt to get into the NBA playoffs, Pelicans coach Alvin Gentry, Gentry, excuse me, is out. Does this make sense to me? I won't go like fully yes. I will not go fully no either, though. I do think that something I noticed was the fact that Zion Williamson in the bubble was still having his minutes managed. And in my opinion, at that point, you're trying to make it to the playoffs. If he can't go 100% and you can't close games out with him on the floor, that's a problem. And to me, it just seemed like you're, you're trying to save him for what? He's 100%. He's had four and a half months off. He should be fit enough, and he should be ready enough to play. Plain and simple. There should be no excuse why he cannot play. At least if you're going to take him out, you get him a drink, you get him back on the floor, though. There's no reason why he should not have been closing out games and every single game, knowing that they had to win. They should have been a better contender for a play-in game at the very least, if not you know, in the playoffs. And just to see the, the decision-making down the stretch, him specifically, that's actually what stood out to me. I mean, this Pelicans team with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and having Lonzo Ball, 
to me, I think they're a very good team. I think they're a very young and up and coming team, but I am torn because I think that, you know, in Gentry's defense, Williamson was not there all year. You know, if he's healthy all year, it's a different situation, but he also needs to do some work in the off season to get fitter and to make sure. And I think that will make sure and, and minimize injuries from happening, to be honest. But that's why I'm kind of torn. I see it on one end because I did not agree with some of the decision-making, especially in terms of Williamson's minutes in the fourth quarter in must-game wins. But then I also understand that he fully didn't get a chance to really work with this group. We know that the Pelicans had a big trade with the Lakers and the Wizards that um, saw them bring in a, a number of new players. So they still had some things to work through, but it probably could have happened a little quicker. So I'm going to go like a half ding, but not a full ding, ding, ding. (laughs) All right. Another change that we saw the Pacers and Nate McMillan are no more. This I do not agree with, to be honest. I thought that the Pacers had an incredible NBA restart. I thought that for, for them, the way that he had them playing offensively. I mean, they had more pep in their step. They were knocking down shots. TJ Warren, I mean, enough said. I just did not fully think that this made sense because I thought that this was a team, you bring back Victor Oladipo healthy next year. They didn't even have DeMontis Sabonis in the, in the bubble. And to see how he got this group going, and a lot of people were not expecting the Pacers to play the way they did, myself included. I think you keep him around one more year and then you see what happens. But apparently that's why they don't pay me the big bucks because I I guess I do not know, but I think Nate McMillan will make a great head coach for another organization. Not sure which team he goes to. The Sixers would be actually a great spot for him in my opinion or the Nets, but we'll see what happens there. So another team that we did see make a head coaching change. Jim Boylan and the Chicago Bulls. This was no surprise to me, to be honest. I mean, after taking over for Fred Hoiberg after he was fired a couple years back, I mean, it just feels like the Bulls haven't made any progress, to be honest, and they seem like they are still the same old, same old Bulls. I mean, you have Zach Levine. You've got um, you've got to make some moves there, to be so far below 500 at a 39-84 record in a season and a half. Ugh. ding, ding, ding. This totally makes sense. But, you know, there have been a lot of changes around the league already, and I definitely anticipate over the next course of, you know, the offseason seeing some more that happen. We're going to see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets, who is brought in. There have been rumors and discussions around Pop coming in. I don't know if it makes sense for Greg Popovich to move. He has said that he's going to return next season and plans to be coaching next season. And we know that Pop is one of the best to ever coach. But if you're Greg Popovich, do you leave the Spurs at the end of your career to go chase a potential championship? Or do you finish out where you've been for the, you know, for decades and close out there and retire as the Spurs coach? I don't know. I, again, that's why I'm not paid the big bucks to make these decisions. But I do think that the Nets could potentially have a team, I'm going to say that gets to the NBA finals. But if you have Greg Popovich as your coach, that finals team may become a championship team. But again, it's a risk. If you leave the Spurs and the net to go to the Nets and the Nets do not pan out like they should, now you've been you jumped out of the pan into the fire to go to a situation that's 
requires, you know, a whole different type of development and building because it's not the Spurs culture and environment you've developed over the years. Is it worth it this late in your career? Had this been 10 years ago? Maybe. Questions that need answers that we will not get those answers for a while. We will see what happens. I do like Vaughn as the Nets coach. He did a great job as the interim coach in the bubble, Jacques Vaughn. Um, and I think that for him, he's done a good job over the last few years since joining the Nets as an assistant to help turn this program that was a losing program to now being a team that, you know, they are right there on the cusp of being a NBA final contender and at least an e- Eastern Conference contender for the finals. So plenty to keep an eye on. And I, I just feel like they need to start <laughs> playing the song. Go, 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 go. Who's next? Because who's next to be fired as a head coach? We will see. But thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Wizards. A lot of excitement coming on Wednesday alone, just around game seven between the Rockets and Thunder. Also, we get to see the Heat and Bucks tip off again. We will continue talking around what's going on on and off the floor in the NBA with the Wizards and with all things sports. So hit that subscribe button so you can tune in for the latest news updates and stories around all that we're talking about here on Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Enjoy watching all the action Wednesday, and I'll see you back for our Thursday edition of Locked on Wizards. Washington out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.